should be the prayer of every Christian. To be able to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We are in a series on the parables of Jesus Christ, and we'll be there most of the summer. We have talked about the kingdom parables. We have talked about the parables of the last things. We've been going through individual parables on basic Christian truths that Jesus teaches. A parable is simply an earthly story that Jesus tells that has a heavenly or an eternal meaning behind it. And the one that we're going to look at this morning is tough. The implications are really, really tough. Uh, we're going to be in a book of Matthew, chapter 18, and that is a book that is primarily, chapter that's primarily focused on Christian. You see terms like children and, and brothers and sisters, and it comes up a lot. Uh, the, just before the parable that we're going to look at this morning, uh, there's a teaching about church discipline and how we deal with people who don't want to uh, do the right thing. And that ends that discussion, and then we're going to pick it up with Peter has a question for Jesus. And Jesus is going to answer it with a parable. So here's what it says, Matthew chapter 18. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times but 77 times. Some versions say 70 times 7. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began this settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, and actually in other versions it's talents, which is actually the better translation, I think, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Now listen very carefully to what he says. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, or the word, Greek word is denarii, which I think is a better translation. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But when he refused, Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged. They went and they told their master everything that had happened. And the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancel all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 
Now that is the serious implications of what Jesus is saying. So what I want to do is I want to walk through the story. I want to deal with a really tough theological issue in the story. And then I want to talk about ways that we can work it into our lives and how we work through this as believers. Um, first of all, you need to understand that this, this parable starts out with Peter asking a question. How many times do I forgive? Seven. Now, the rabbis taught that under the Jewish system, you were obligated to forgive a person three times. On the fourth occasion, you were no longer obligated to forgive them. So Peter is being very gracious when he comes up with the number seven. We're not sure exactly why he uses the number seven. A lot of people think it goes back to Genesis 4 and the story of Cain and Lamech when it said he's avenged 77 times. And so a lot of people then also believe that when Jesus uh, comments on this, he, he either says 70 times 7 or 77. Either way, here's the idea. The idea is that you don't keep track. I mean, even at 77 times. Think about it for a second. Okay, let's see. They offended me again. Was that 69 or was that 68? That's not the idea. The idea is you don't keep track. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus is saying, look, you don't keep track. And then he tells this story, and he starts out with the idea of a servant and a master. Now, again, in this culture, that was common. Everybody understood this. Everybody had servants. Everybody had somebody that they were responsible to or somebody that was over them. So this was a common idea. And what he says here is he said, there is a king, and often in Scripture, when you see a king, that's God. When you see servants, that's us. A lot of times that's an easy jump. And so this is kind of the idea here. And he says, what happens is, he said, you have a king, and somebody owes him and I like the translation that says talents better than the one that says gold. Um, it's, it, he says he owes him 10,000 talents. Now, here's what you need to understand. Okay? In this culture, uh, the largest measure of, of money was a talent. That was the biggest number. Like in our culture, we, we use the, you know, we're now dealing with, if you watch the news, we're now dealing with budgets of well, this is going to cost X trillion dollars. Now, I'm sure there's something past trillion. I just don't know what it is. Okay, but for us, trillion's like the biggest amount that we can talk about. Okay, in the Greek world, ten thousand was the biggest number. So, in this culture, and just give give you a little bit of perspective here, the taxes collected in Galilee, Samaria, Judea, and Adumia, and those four areas um, combined uh, was 900 talents a year, right? When they built the temple, when Solomon built the temple, they collected 8,000 talents of gold for the temple back in Solomon's day. So when we're talking about 10,000 talents, this is an extravagant number. This is as big a number as anybody in that culture at that time could comprehend. So what Jesus is saying is this, this guy owed a debt that was absolutely impossible to ever pay back. There is no way, and again, you know it's a story because no one would accumulate that much debt, except the United States government, but that's another story. But anyway, (laughs) you understand how this goes. I mean, it's just, it's just a crazy number. 
It's a crazy number. And Jesus said, this guy owes that much. Now, in that culture, if you were a businessman and somebody owed you a debt, you could at least get some of it back. And the way you would get some of it back is you would take and say, okay, you've accumulated all that debt because you bought a bunch of junk. I'm going to start selling all the junk, and I'm going to sell your wife and your kids and you into slavery, or I'm going to put you in prison, and you're going to work it off there, and whatever money they give you in prison will go to me. So I'll get at least something. And this guy comes to him, and he says, okay, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to, you're going to have to pay the debt you owe. And the guy begs him. He says, please, have mercy on me. I'll tell you what, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. That's crazy. You can't pay it all back. But the king shows grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And he says, your debt's gone. It's all gone. Go. Live your life. And this guy goes out to live his life. And the first thing that he does is he goes back. He pulls out his books. And he looks at his books and he realizes, there's a guy there that owes me a hundred denarii or a hundred days wages. Now, again, that's still a big debt. I mean, you know, you're talking about a little over three months salary. And so he comes to him and he says, I need my money. Notice the passage. He says the exact same thing the other guy said to the king. Word for word. Give me a chance, and I'll pay it back. And he looks at him and says, no. I am going to send you to prison until I get my money back. You put your family to work. You get your family to pay me back. I want my 100 days wages as soon as you can get it to me. The servants are watching this thing, and they go, whoa, this is not right. So they go back to the king, and they say, hey, king, do you know what happened to Joe? No. How's Joe doing? Well, Joe just threw Fred in prison. And he said, what? Why did he put him in prison? Well, he owed him 100 days' wages. Well, that ain't right. Go get Joe. He comes walking in, and he goes, what'd you do? Well, he owed me money. What do you mean? You owed me money. And all of a sudden, the king, who had given him mercy, now gives him judgment. He says, all right, if you want to play by those rules, we'll play by those rules. You are going to be tormented and punished and imprisoned until you give me back the 10,000 talents you owe me. And then Jesus ends this parable by saying this. If you want to play by those rules, God will play by those rules. That is some serious implications for you and I. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. How do we interpret this? Because it's very, very clear that the king giving Forgiving a debt that could not be forgivable is a picture of salvation. There's no question about that. So there are three options. Option number one, this person was a Christian and they lost their salvation. That's option number one. 
that God gave them salvation or God gave him a freedom of debt, and then he took it away. That's option number one. You should know right off the bat, as a church, we don't believe option number one. Okay? So now I'm left with two other options, theologically. Okay? Option number two is the idea that this guy was not a Christian. That basically, this is an idea of somebody who accepted or thought he had his debt canceled, but it had never reached his heart. It was never anything that he truly appreciated or understood. And they look at this passage and they say, because he looks at the king and says, I can pay you everything back. He is clueless as to how great his debt is. So the second option is saying basically this, that this person has a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. They say that they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but nothing in their life changes. They go out and they are the same person they were before. So the reason that he faces judgment is because he was never a Christian in the first place. That's option number two. Okay? Option number three. This is a Christian person. This is a person that Jesus Christ forgives all of their debt. But in the course of forgiving all of their debt, by going out and not forgiving, there's a consequence to that. And the consequence is they will live a life of punishment and turmoil because of their unforgiving spirit. And they will, be, they will imprison themselves, and they will imprison, if you will, and they will be tormented because of their unforgiving heart. So they will experience a, if you will, a hell on earth because they were unforgiving. So those are your options. Here's the thing. I don't care which option you choose, none of them are good. None of them are good at all. And that's what brings us to the seriousness of this subject and this topic as we talk about it. So with that in mind, let's dive into some things that, that, that kind of help us and, and where we go with all of this. You go, okay, what's your view? Um, I, can go, I can't go with one. I can, go, I can make strong arguments for two and three. If you back me in a corner and you said, your life or tell me which one you believe, I would say, well, either one's bad, but if I had to, I would probably go with, I don't think they're a believer. There are a number of reasons for that. But one of the main reasons is nothing changes in their life. And that would be my preference on this story. No matter what, I think there's some serious lessons for us in this story. First lesson, God takes forgiveness seriously. You need to understand that. Um, when, we, when we talk about this idea of forgiveness, we have to understand that, first of all, an unforgiving spirit for a Christian is unthinkable, bizarre, irrational. The Bible is filled with stories of the idea of what Biblical forgiveness looks like. In what, first of all, in the fact that God forgives our sin, 
is, is incredible concept. But in order to reflect that, you see it over and over and over again in Scripture. You see, I think probably one of the greatest Bible examples is Joseph and his brothers. Um, you see it with David and Saul, where David shows incredible kindness and forgiveness. You see it with Jesus on the cross. It's one of the last things that he says. You see it with Stephen as the first martyr in the New Testament, where he says, Father, forgive him. One of the marks that you see of genuine people who are followers of God is an attitude of forgiveness. And it is a serious, serious issue when it comes to God. And I think someone who has an unforgiving spirit because of something someone did or something someone said to them, I think one of the things that you don't realize is that because of that, you are going to be tormented, you are going to struggle every day of your life. Because an unforgiving spirit will eat away at you from the inside out. It will destroy you. It will imprison you. Um, it is one of those things. And, and, and you need to understand, when Jesus is here and he teaches, one of the things that he said is, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You understand what he's teaching there? If you want mercy, give mercy. That's what happens in this story. The king brings him back in and says, I will play by your rule book if that's the way you want to play. Have you ever thought through the Lord's Prayer? Father, forgive us our sins. How? As we forgive others. You really genuinely want to pray that with an unforgiving spirit? Or an unforgiving attitude towards something or someone, something that happened to you? You genuinely want to say, okay, God, hey, here's the rules we want to play by. I want you to forgive me like I forgive everybody else. That's the way we're supposed to pray. This is serious. It's incredibly serious. You go, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't know how bad I've been hurt. You don't know what this person did. And, and, and let me say this, okay? I've done this job long enough to understand this. I'm not talking about Somebody called you a name. Although that happens. But we have people in here who have been abused. We have people who have um, had their childhood robbed from them because of somebody's sin. We have people who have had to deal with things that are unimaginable to most of us. And for them to say, I can forgive that person for what they did, that's, I'm telling you, that is hard, and I understand that. When I deal with people who've gone through a messy divorce, and there has been a lot of taking shots at each other through the whole thing, and, and, and the heartbreak that comes with that, because this is a person who you were intimate with, you trusted, you went through all of this stuff with, and then they use it against you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about you know, a little stick and stone kind of thing. I'm talking about serious stuff, all right? It is so important that we start to understand that an unforgiving spirit is a lifetime of torture and difficulty and hardship for you. We've got to get that across.
And I think whether you want to look at it either way on the story, that's one of the things you learn here. That it, it, is, it is tough. It is incredibly tough. So there are people who go, you know what, I understand that, but I just can't forgive, Pastor. So let me, I've been through series before in here on, on forgiveness, and so, you know, to try to cover it in 20 minutes is, is going to be nuts. But let, let me just hit a couple highlights so we at least get somewhat on the same page. When I am talking about forgiving somebody, I am not talking about forgetting what they did. Those are two different issues. I'm not talking about excusing what they did. Um, it's not what I'm talking about at all. The king was still owed a great debt. But the king ended up absorbing the cost of the debt. So if you're going to forgive, you're the one that's going to have to pay the price that comes with granting forgiveness. I'm not talking about reconciliation. There are times that, there, that you can forgive somebody, but the relationship can't be reconciled. It can't be changed, can't go back to the way it was. I'm not talking about reconciliation. I'm not talking about justice. You go, well, it's not fair that they get away with that. It's not fair that he walked away debt-free. It's not about fairness. It's about the king forgiving. So let me try to get somewhat personal and yet somewhat practical. And it's going to get a little crazy up here, but you know, you know me. I'll, I'll do what I got to do to make my point. So, um, for me in ministry, what happens as a ministry is you get a lot of shots. There are a lot of people that take shots in the course of you know. As long as I've done this, believe me. If you don't think I've got enemies, then you know. And 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 and, and you struggle with it because you try to find out if there's truth in what they're saying. Some of it's made up. Some of it. Um, is just mean just to try to do what they can do. And so and just in the course of life, that happens to us. In ministry, it gets really hard. Um, and so back in the 19, 1994, there's a guy by the name of Marshall Shelley. He was an editor for Leadership Journal. And he wrote a book dealing with this stuff. Uh, it's out of print now. Um, but the book is entitled Well-Intentioned Dragons. And in the book, he talks about how you learn to deal with these people so that you can forgive them so you can move on, okay? And in the book, one of the things that he talks about is he says, you have to understand the nature of a dragon. He said, first of all, the dragon doesn't necessarily have an intention to hurt or destroy. He said, but the point of a dragon is, if a dragon opens its mouth, fire comes out. And when fire comes out, it destroys, consumes, and burns whatever it is pointed towards. So he said, you need to understand that there are people in this world that they're good people, they're well-meaning people, but they're dragon people. So when you run into one of these dragon people and they open their mouth, no matter what they say, fire is going to come out. It will burn you. It will consume you. It will hurt you. So he gives you a series of tools to help you as you work through learning to deal with dragon people. To help your mindset that way. 
Because if you don't, what happens are the dragon people control your life. So I'm, I walk into a store and I see dragon lady. Most people, if they don't have, if they, if they don't have a forgiving spirit, they're like, I'm, you know what, I'm going to go and shop somewhere else today. Now, the problem with that is, dragon person just controlled my life. So even though I don't run into them, even though I don't deal with them, even though they're not dragon person who's still controlling my life. You've got to be able to get to the point that you can walk up to dragon person. You can deal with dragon person. You might say hi. You might not say hi. You might just nod. You might just go your way. But you don't let dragon person control your life. Okay? Um, those of you who know, you know, appreciate a bunch of people coming out yesterday. You got to see Josh and I and, and blowing glass, a passion of ours. So I'm used to dealing with fire. Okay? 2,300 degrees in back. When I get ready to deal with fire, I have certain precautions that I take. So if I come across dragon person in the store, okay, let me show you what I would do. First of all, um, it's really important because when you look at fire for a length of time, it can burn your eyes. So I put on my glasses. Because now as I look at dragon person, it's, I'm not gonna, it's not going to bother me. Okay? Knowing that dragon person can mess with my, and burn me, this is a fiberglass welding blanket. Oh, I'm gonna, um, fiberglass welding blanket. Okay? Um, uh, this protects you up to about 1,000 degrees. So I get my, okay? Okay, so now protected, but I still have my hand. So... I now get ready. These are the gloves that we use for going into the kiln. These will handle, oop, these will handle about 2,500 degrees. Okay. Yeah, see, this is worse than you thought. You go, Man, that's a lot to get ready for a dragon person. You got to be prepared. Now, dragon person. Hi. I'm good. And if they talk to me, I'm okay. And no matter what they say, fire away. Why? I'm ready to talk to dragon person. I've forgiven dragon person. I'm not going to let dragon person control my life. You go, but why? You aren't you letting them control you when you got to put all this stuff on? No, this is about protecting me. This is about keeping me safe. You go, well, that's crazy. But you know what? Dragon person is not going to ruin my day either. No matter what dragon person says, I'm ready. You go, so what you're saying is you can forgive somebody and still do this? Yes. This is what you have to do. Because there are people who are well-intentioned, good, nice, sincere people, but when they open their mouth, people get hurt, people get burned, um, and things get destroyed. Some of you, you have people in your life that have hurt you. You need to figure out how to forgive them 
Show them grace, love, mercy, kindness, just like God has shown you. And yet at the same time, protect yourself. So that as you encounter them, they don't hurt you. Otherwise, you're the one that ends up living a life of imprisonment and torture. I can't stress this enough. When I watch a couple go through divorce, this is a big deal. Because what happens is, in fact, one of the things, when I, when I marry couples who have been divorced, I spend time on this. You know why I spend time on this? Because I realize if we can't get past the hurt in your previous relationship, at some point it's going to be focused on that person that you're now marrying in the new relationship. We've got to figure out how to protect you from this so that you can go forward with this. And that's important. And as I look at this, as you look at this whole issue of forgiveness, I I want you to understand, you go, well, it's so hard. I get that. It took me a lot of time to put all that stuff on just to walk past them in a store. But if I don't do that, then it affects me. I think forgiveness is far more about you than it is the other person. See, the difference in this story is this, and this this is what it comes down to. The king looks at the books and goes, he owes me. I'll pay it back. Just give me another chance. And the king at one point closes the books and says, I'm no longer going to look at the book. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to put the books away. I'm going to forgive you. Go your way. At a great cost to the king. The guy who gets free walks out and opens the books and wants to stare at the books. This guy owes me. He owes me more than anybody else. I'm going to get this from him. I want this money from him. You want to know what forgiveness is about? It's about closing the books. Or it's about not spending time focused on the books. Again, I'm not saying he forget. You can get up every day and look at the book, but you can't focus on it. The sooner you can shut the book and put it aside and move on, the better. The sooner that you can focus on mercy, grace, forgiveness, you know, and you look at it and go, you know what? Here's the bottom line. As much as they've hurt me, I've still hurt God more. And he forgave me. He showed me grace, mercy, and love. And this is something that you cannot do in your own power. This is a God thing. That's why it is so important that you, first of all, have a relationship with Jesus Christ so that you can forgive. Because forgiveness is not something that you can generate within your own. It is something that God has to work through you to do. And that's what you see in the story. And God basically, at the end of the story, says, hey, look, it's your call. But you don't want God playing by the same rules you're playing by. And you need to think about that very, very seriously. Because you can either do one of two things. You can follow the example of a guy who's focused on the book. What was done to you? Why it was done to you? How? How come? Blah, 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 blah. You can spend all your time focusing on that. And it will, it will imprison and destroy you. Or you can decide to close the books and put the books aside. 
and focus on grace, mercy, love, forgiveness with God's help to go forward. And if that means you suit up every time you get ready to encounter the dragon person, then you suit up. And if that, so if you, you're in a work situation where somebody says, hey, can you swing by my office? You know, oh boy, suit up. Suit up. Get ready for it. Because you know, they don't say anything nice about anybody. That's the other thing that helped me too. And I started realizing, you know what? Dragon people aren't particular. When they open their mouth, everybody gets burned. They don't know anything better. So I actually, here's the irony of it. I've actually gotten to a point, I feel sorry for them. Because I understand they're in a life of misery and they, they don't know any better. They can't function any better. And I would love to help them, but most of them, even in trying to help them, when they open your mouth, their mouth, you get burned. So you just kind of suit up and do the best you can. As Paul said so eloquently, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with them. You know, that's what you have to do. And you can follow the role of the guy who wanted to look at the books, or you can follow the idea of the king. Yeah, you owe me a debt, you can't pay me. I'm going to wipe it out, I'm going to let it go. Go free. Go free. And that is incredibly and, and here's what I will say to you as I've gone through this over and over and over again. There's a freedom that comes to your life when literally those people don't control you anymore. And as long as they control you, you will be imprisoned. The unmerciful servant. The parable has some serious implications regarding an unforgiving spirit. At the very least, this will lead to a life of torment and imprisonment. God has forgiven you a debt you could never repay. So allow God to work in your heart to create a forgiving, generous, merciful spirit in all you do this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, every one of us wants to be forgiven. Every one of us celebrates and enjoys the freedom that comes with the forgiveness you've given us. But Lord, we're not so generous sometimes in being forgiven. So Lord, I ask that you'd help us. That Lord, for those people that have hurt us, for those people that have said or done things, Lord, in, in something just unconscionable thing, that Lord, you would work in our hearts in such a way that they could see Christ in us, that they could see the God who has given us forgiveness has allowed us the power and the strength to forgive as well. Lord, use us in each of our lives this week, these things we ask in your name. Amen.